Hey everybody, it's been a while. I'm going to try and be in a better uh, habit and schedule in putting out these podcasts, but let's go ahead and get into it. So it's come to that time of year, usually end of year, where we like to kind of review and evaluate where we are in life. Um, a lot of that has to do with you know, whether or not we're happy and fulfilled in our work, uh, in our personal life, in our social life. And so uh, one of the books I kind of want to go through with you um, is a book called Designing Your Life. How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking that uh, this sounds a little too mushy, a little too squishy, um, but uh, it's, a, it's a legit book. Of course, I don't do any books that are not legit, um, but this one comes from two gentlemen who come out of the Stanford Design Lab, and so they appro- apply what's considered a design thinking approach to this, um, and, and that's something I really liked about Um, And so, you know, let's kind of lay it out first. Like, what is a well-designed life? So the authors feel that a well-designed life, it's kind of like a a rich portfolio of experiences. Uh, Kind of a, I guess you can say a collection, maybe, uh, of of not just your experiences, but your adventures, your failures, your successes uh, that teach you important lessons. And then um, the result uh, in hardships uh, that make you stronger and help you know yourself better, um, that's really a life of achievement and, and satisfaction. And when it comes to designing your life, uh, the question that's put forth is that we all ask about one's meaning, one's purpose in the world. Questions like how do you find like the best job or you know the love of your life? How do you balance your career with your family? Um, and, and everybody wants the answers to these questions. We're just not sure how to go about finding them or where or how to begin, you know, which is part of the reasons why I bought this book a few years ago. Um, it came through uh, the recommendation of my uh, very close friend. Uh, we were uh, best friends in medical school and studied together, Garrett Simmons. He's a, um, a uh, um, God, I can't, for, I can't remember what specialty the guy went to. He's like, one of my best friends is terrible. Oh my God. Neuroradiology, there you go. Neuroradiology. I knew it was a sub-sub-specialty. But anyway, you know, so uh, essentially that's what the book is about. And, and the thing is that when we ask each, our, ourselves these questions, we, we don't really know how to go about finding them or where to begin. And so then we don't feel like we have the tools to find our way. So this book is about giving you those tools. So designers love questions, but you know what they really love is actually this concept of reframing. I, I first learned about this through the great and I, I mean that when I say it, great uh, marketer, philosopher, teacher, Seth Godin. And he, he first taught me the concept of reframing, meaning that you, you essentially just have a different way of looking at something, right? Um, and the reframing for the question, what do I want to be when I grow up, is really, what do I want to grow into? Now think about that for a second. All of us have wondered, what do I want to be when I grow up? Even now, it's that question has evolved into like, what is my career leading to, et cetera, et cetera. But the question you should reframe into is, what do you want to grow into? Um, and that's what this book is really about and what it shows you, which is how to find what you want to do now, really at any age, and, and how to answer what you want to grow into tomorrow. So let's jump into it. Um, and I'm going to read, you know, I have the book in front of me, so I'm going to uh, flip through. I have a lot of earmarks and uh, 
highlights, but I want to kind of jump through uh, some of the key highlights and really give you a nice uh, synopsis of the book. I always recommend buy the book, as always. Support the authors. you find a link for the book below in the comments. Um, but the first thing is that everyone has this approach, right, that they want to know what to do to make you know their lives meaningful and purposeful, and how does this add up to something, right? And the part of that is that people have a lot of dysfunctional beliefs. And so what are dysfunctional beliefs? Well, dysfunctional beliefs are things that you believe to be true, but in fact, they're not really true at all, right? And so what are some examples of that? Well, um, some examples of a dysfunctional belief, and I'm just scrolling down in my notes here. So here, here are some dysfunctional beliefs and ways to reframe them. Your degree determines your career. Well, here's the reframe. Three quarters of people who graduate from college don't end up working in a career related to their majors. I'm a great example of that. Um, I'm a business and marketing professional in medical devices and my degree is in biology. I, another dysfunctional belief. If you're successful, you'll be happy. Well, the reframe to that is like, true happiness comes from designing a life that really worked for you. And the way to think about it is that you don't become happy because you're successful. You become successful because you're happy, right? And I think that comes from a approach of starting with what you have today, right? And showing gratitude to it for it. So let's continue. A couple other, a few other dysfunctional beliefs. It's too late, right? The reframe is that it's never too late to design a life that you love. Um, uh, another dysfunctional belief, you need to know your passion and then you'll know what to do. Well, the reframe is that less than 20, you know, and they study this at Stanford, less than 20% of people have less than one identifiable passion, right? You know, so having a passion is, is not an organizing principle for your search for fulfillment. And the last dysfunctional belief I want to tell you about is uh, you should know now, uh, know by now where you're going. And the reframe is that as you go about life, you know, new information is going to come in, right? Um, and it's not about discovering direction um, because that kind of happens on its own. But I think when you're directionally right, um, things start to clarify. And it's about molding things as you go for where you are at the moment, right? Then you'll start to gain more clarity about your true north and you get more clear on the direction, right? Um, you know, a well-designed life is something that is generative and is constantly creative, productive, changing, and evolving. And, you know, there's always a possibility surprise. So let me um, share with you uh, these uh, five ideas that um, uh, were presented in this book. So one of them uh, is being able to connect dots, right? And... Connecting the dots is an interesting, uh, interesting concept in the sense that we're always trying to you know, connect the dots in, in one way or another, which is what's, what's my job today going to lead to later on? And the three dots you should really uh, connect are what you believe, what you do, and who you are, right? And when you start connecting those three things between what you do, who you are, and what you believe, right, you start to gain more clarity and meaning, right? And more specifically, um, you want to start understanding, like, what is work? And this is a design thinking approach. What is work? What's it for? Like, your work today, what is it for, right? Get, what's your work view? 
and then try and connect that somehow to your life view, which is what's life? What is life about? You know, what's the meaning of life? And the more you start to find ways to connect your work view to your life view, you, you will find more fulfillment, right? So again, like what you believe, what you do, and who you are, right? When you start connecting those dots, you start increasing um, the meaning of your life, right? Now, idea number two that uh, the authors talk about are, are what's called gravity problems. So gravity problems are problems you get stuck on, but you can't change. For example, I don't like my boss. You cannot change your boss, right? I don't like the economy. I don't like, for example, my job. You can't, you know, and the key here, and I think a lot of us complain about problems, and we're just looking to complain and whine to other people about, we're not looking for solutions, is that you cannot solve a problem that you're not willing to have, right? Think about that. You can't solve a problem you're not willing to have. And so if you're not willing to have, say, a bad boss, which I don't recommend you do, then you can't solve that problem. And you have to find a different solution. The only thing you can do with gravity problems is really accept them, right? So it's either a circumstance that you have to reframe uh, to work in or you go and do something else, right? So for example, if you're in a, in a position that you don't like, um, you don't like your job at the moment, maybe the circumstance that you reframe is, Hey, I don't love my job, but I love the way I do my job. And this is temporary. And this will be my ability to see, can I, can I, you know, beautify the work around me, right? Can I beautify my work? Can I take pride in it? Can I use this as a platform for me to learn and uh, put myself through an opportunity or a situation where I'm going to grow? Strategic uh, pause to sip a little water. Um, you know, for example... Uh, there was a time where I was in a uh, pretty toxic uh, work environment and I knew it wouldn't last long, but at the time I had to stay in the job and the way I thought of it was, I will deal with people like this again in my life. I will deal with people who are malevolent, uh, malicious, petty, gossipy, all these things. So what do I do to solve for it? How do I reframe it? And, and by the way, let me restate that. You don't solve for those types of problems, right? You can either reframe a gravity problem or you, do, you need to do something completely different, right? And the biggest thing that I would say when it comes to these type of problems is that if it's not actionable, it's not a problem. It's, it's just a circumstance. So again, uh, what is that? You know, if I can detail that out for you a little bit more, the economy's bad. You can't take action on the on the on the uh, on the economy, so it's again not a problem. It's a circumstance. You can't take action on your on your boss, right? You just can't, um, and it, that really depends on the situation, of course. But if you just have a boss that you don't like, it's a circumstance. Now, idea number three, and this is an interesting one: How many lives do you have, right? And the, con the interesting thing about this is that there's this concept of the simulation, right? That right now in our universe, uh, parallel to it are, are other versions of the exact same universe. Some of you who watch Rick and Morty might have seen this where there is a variety of simulations going on and Rick and Morty go from one universe to another and they see different versions of themselves living out the same life, but in a slightly different version, right? So, you know... The point is, and so, you know, a lot of physicists have kind of agreed on this concept, 
But the point is that what if you had multiple lives, right? So what if you go on, say, a journey to discover what type of life you want, right? And the thing to you know, consider about this is that it's not what you don't choose you know, in life that makes you happy, but it's, it's what you choose that makes you happy. And so uh, one suggestion the authors make is you find three five-year adventure plans to ideate on right? Three lives, right? So, and here's the easiest way to approach it. So plan number one, your life right now, whatever job you're in, whatever you're doing right now, it, for the next five years, it, it goes amazing, fantastic, wildly successful, all this. Doing the thing that you're currently doing now, you ideate that, you, you write it out, you try and really get deeply into visualizing that. This is where the concept of psycho-cybernetics, um, which... It was written by Maxwell Maltz. There we go. I had to turn back to my uh, library to see. You know, this is where the, that concept is very important, the idea of visualization. It's really visualize that and go into detail about it. Uh, plan number two, what if the thing you do today goes away? What, what do you do next? Right? So imagine, let's just say that you're, I don't know, an accountant right, uh, at, a, at a big company, what if the robots come, AI's here, and tomorrow, every accounting job is wiped off the face of the earth. You cannot do accounting ever again. And let's just say finance to make it more interesting. What do you do next, right? Really think about that. And then the plan three, or life three, is what's your wild card plan, right? What do you do if you had all the money in the world and what if nobody would laugh at it, right? Um, there are some people who go to Harvard or Stanford or Yale and spend a lot of money and get a degree, and they have a um, hesitancy to pursue something different because they don't want to be seen as, oh, you, you went to this Ivy League school just to pursue this or that, right? But think about that. What's the wildcard plan? Like, if you had more than enough money in the world and you didn't care what people thought, what would you do? And when you go through this process, what ends up happening is that you, you realize that through the busyness of your life, that you found things, or you, you start to discover things that you left behind and forgot, right? And it's a very interesting concept, right? Um, and once you do this, you, get, you go to idea number four, which is prototyping. Right? And when you prototype, this is the area that allows you to kind of sneak up on the future. The, uh, the science fiction writer, William Gibson, uh, he had a very interesting quote, and he said that the future is already here, it's just unevenly distributed. So what does that mean? What that means is, whatever your life you just picked, more likely than not, there's someone already living your life in the future, but today. So whether you want to be a world-renowned author, uh, scientist, whatever that might be, someone is living that life. So the idea is you you start to, you know, figure out if you were to meet those people, right, what would you ask them? So, you know, what interesting questions do you have, right? Um, what types of assumptions do you have, you know, about it? Like, for example, oh, to be a writer, you know, my assumption is oh, you, you have to go to school for that. Well, maybe that's the wrong exception. So what kind of assumptions are you making? Right. Uh, the other thing is that you want to involve other people with your ideas. 
right? And and the the concept is is this is like for so many things in life, you know, we often go to other people for help, except when it comes to designing our own lives. And the benefit about that is that other people who let's say you generally respect and trust will find ways to ask you tough questions, maybe challenge your assumptions, help you ask more interesting questions. Maybe they know someone who's living that type of life, right? Reach out and start collaborating with them, you know? And then uh, when you write down these interesting questions and the assumptions, all these different things, you gotta go and find that person to have those, that I guess, prototype conversation with. So again, going back to the concept of uh, being a writer, Look, I mean, between Twitter, Instagram, and especially LinkedIn, some of these uh, incredibly interesting people uh, who you might think are too famous to, have to talk to you might actually be a lot more accessible than you think. And at one point or another, uh, everybody, everybody had, you know, started off uh, as a beginner. Everybody started off in a point where they needed help, uh, they wanted somebody to give them advice, you know. Uh, they were just trying to get get to the next level, right? People like to help other people, especially when they see themselves in, in them. Um, and then idea number five is all about choosing well. So, the, the, you know, the, the old question is, how do you know when you know, right? And <laughs> you don't, that is the point of that, is that you don't know. Um, and so when it comes to the process of choosing well, you know, you, you want to go through these four little uh, uh, steps here, which is, you know, you gather and create a lot of different I ideas, right? You narrow them down, you choose, and then you let go of the rest and you move on, right? And people get really hung up on this because they say, well, what if you choose wrong? Well, what if you choose right is what I always say. But let's just say you do choose wrong. You let go of that thing and you go, you go back and try the next thing, Right. You know, um, it's very much like experimenting, right, or evolution. Uh, you know, things will go through a variety of different versions before they start to take true form, right? And choosing something is better than choosing nothing, right? I mean, you know, when we go to uh, get lunch, we, we choose, we, we pick where we're going to have lunch. We don't strain over it. And if we don't like the sandwich we picked, we either throw it away or we just say, you know, tomorrow for lunch, I'm going to pick something different. So... Sometimes picking something is better than picking nothing. And for those of you who are trying to apply this from a professional standpoint, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a great example, uh, which is me, you know. Um, right now, I, I, I work in the medical device industry. But, you know, long term, um, is are there other lives that I want to lead? Maybe. And so I don't know what that looks like. So for example, I like teaching and speaking and everything. So I, I bought a, actually a, a pretty rather expensive camera. I'm going to start getting better at my video uh, and vlogging. You know, I'm going to get improve my video editing skills. Am I going to be a world famous, you know, YouTuber? Uh, probably not. I don't know. Maybe I will. Um, maybe it's not for me. But you never know until you try these things. And the way I see it is, is uh, similar to what Scott Adams, uh, the famous Dilbert cartoonist, talks about in his book, um, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big, kind of the story of my life. And his thing is systems versus goals. Goals, he thinks, is, is kind of for losers because they're kind of self-limiting. They, um, you know, uh, they definitely give you direction. But the problem with them is that they don't expose you to new opportunities, right? Because you're so focused on that one goal. 
versus systems. Systems are things that are easily to um, put into practice and implement. They build on existing skills. And what's even better is that they expose you to new opportunities. So difference between a goal and a system. A goal would be, I want to be a world famous, uh, let's say, I want to be a world famous speaker. Like, let's say Tony Robbins, right? That's my goal. Okay, so I go to the school to learn how to become like Tony Robbins. I read Tony Robbins books. I watch Tony Robbins tapes, maybe some other people. The problem with that is that it doesn't expose me to other opportunities, opportunities that might be better than that, things that I haven't thought about. A system would say, okay, you know, that's something that I'm interested in. So what can I do? I can improve my public speaking. So I'll go to a public speaking course. I can improve how I deliver advice to people, right? Um, I can start mentoring people, uh, you know, maybe writing some self-development articles online, right? So now you're doing these skills, right? You're working on your writing, you're working on your public speaking, you're working on coaching. And that system exposes opportunities that you may not have been aware of. Had you just been focused on the sole goal of becoming like Tony Robbins, right? So when you figure out something to pick and move with, always leave room for a little bit of luck and crazy ideas. And this is where I think systems thinking is really important, or at least a systems approach, because it it, it helps you pay attention to what you're doing, but still, still allows you to keep your peripheral vision open for new opportunities, right? Um, and the biggest thing is that you know, when it comes to picking, this is something that the psychologist Daniel Goleman comes up with, that you cannot choose well if you only choose through your rational mind, right? You have to go sometimes by, by your gut. In my opinion, almost all the time, you should go with your intuition. So now with those five ideas, I'm going to leave you with the uh, sort of the five mindsets that uh, this book is really about. Um, and it kind of sums up what we just talked about. So number one, be curious. You know, curiosity makes everything new. It invites exploration. Uh, it makes everything fun and playful. And, you know, most of all, curiosity is going to help you get good at being lucky, right? It's the reason why some people see opportunities everywhere. And so having that sort of childlike curiosity where you're always interested to learn more, always asking more questions, um, that's, that'll, that'll open up doors. Uh, the second thing is try, try stuff. Just literally try stuff. You know, have a bias to action. You know, there's no such thing anymore of just being stuck. You're not going to get stuck in a job or this or that. You know, you're not a tree. You can pick up yourself and move. So it's stop the worrying. No more analyzing or pondering or trying to solve your way through life. Literally just, just do it. Just <laughs> go get shit done. Uh, Seth Godin talks about this all the time. Start shipping, you know. Try things. You have to try things. You got to... You got to have a lot of bad ideas before you get a you get a lot of good ones, you know? And there's this old saying that says the fool is the precursor to a savior, right? You're going to stumble around, you're going to be a beginner, you're going to fail before you become really good and great. Third thing, which uh a lot of this book is uh, uh themed on is you reframe problems. So reframing is a change in perspective, and almost any design problem can use a perspective switch. So this is how designers, you know, they, they get unstuck, right? They reframe the problem, right? So it also makes sure that you're working on the right problem. So life design, it, it involves key reframes that allow you to step back, examine your biases, and open up a new solution, 
right? So reframing is really essential to finding the right problems and the right solutions. And I'll give you a great example from my life. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, I walked into work and out of the blue, I found out I was laid off, right? And I, and I had been training my brain to be prepared for a moment like that because normally, um, you know, I, I just moved to San Francisco. I didn't have a network out here. Everything was new. Um, and so normally you go into panic mode. You're like, oh my God, how am I going to make money? It's really expensive out here and everything. The first thing I did was I said, wow, I can't wait to see what job I get next. Getting laid off at this job is going to get me an even better job. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to have a better uh, opportunity, better company, everything. And guess what? All those things happened for me within a matter of about three months, actually. Because aside from just thinking like that, right, and, and really visualizing, I took action. You know, I reached out to people. I started uh, posting articles, videos, um, just finding, you know, finding very creative ways to get myself uh, out there. And lo and behold, uh, I landed a wonderful uh, job, my current job, which is at Petro Medical. And you know, I'm making I'm making a lot more money. I'm much happier. I have a wonderful group of people around me, um, and that wouldn't have happened had I not reframed that day that I got laid off. Um, I did. You know, uh, number four, the fourth mindset is know that it's a process. You know, life life is really complicated. It's not always linear, um, and mistakes are going to be made. You know, and your prototypes are going to be thrown away. And an important part of the process is letting go of that first idea. And the, you know, good but not great solution. You know, sometimes these amazing ideas that we have can emerge out of a mess. That's how a lot of things were invented, like penicillin. Penicillin, you know, was literally invented because somebody left an orange on a lab table and it rotted away. And they noticed that um, bacteria was eating the fungus, you know. Um, so when you think to learn, when you, when you learn to think like a designer, you, you learn to be aware that it's a process. Life is, life design is a journey. And so you got to let go of having the end goal, right? And focus on the process and see what happens again uh, next. Very much like what I mentioned before with Scott Adams' approach, which is systems approach, systems thinking, right? And the last piece, last mindset is ask for help, you know, radical collaboration. Uh, and that means that you're not alone in this process, right? So the authors really emphasize this as the last mindset of design thinking and maybe the most important because the point is you don't have to come up with a brilliant life design by yourself. Uh, design is a collaborative process and many of the best ideas are going to come from other people. So, you know, reach out to people you admire, people you respect and whose opinions and trust, and just don't be afraid to have an I to, to ideation, an ideation session. Just have a conversation, talk about it, you know, and you don't have to take everybody's advice. So simply put, you know, it can all be narrowed down to these three things. Just get very curious, talk to people and try things. So, uh, that's the book, Designing Your Life, by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And, as always, have a great evening or a great day, whatever you're going, going about doing, and I'll see you next time. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of The Mind Loom. For questions that you'd like to submit, please email mindloomboom at gmail.com. That's mindloomboom at gmail.com.